This is Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Featuring the best of the best from today's conversations, observations, and ruminations. Because great radio is still fresh the second time around. Earlier today on the Mac and Bone Show. That's just so fun for me to see that with him. And, and then to see Tez, uh, I sat there and cried. What a dream for that kid. Uh, I mean, just uh, I'll get emotional talking about it here, but he has 12 people, on his family on the field after the game taking pictures. Uh, that was a life's dream for that kid. Uh, and, and I can't imagine sitting there Thursday. Um, we don't know how we're going to play him because we, we weren't ready for a, a yes. Uh, and when we got a yes, we had to think about, got to tell him, got to tell his family, um, got to tell our team, got to tell our coaches, and they were all in meetings. And then poor Lonnie and I are saying, now what do we do with him? He hadn't practiced in three weeks. Um, he's been on the scout team for three straight weeks, and he didn't know the game plan. So Lonnie runs down, literally runs down to the meeting room with him, gets on the board and starts saying, here's what we're doing. Tez Walker had himself a day. Good for him. Good for him. Should have came in that game against South Carolina here in Charlotte. But I digress. I don't want to. Out there, if I criticize the NCAA bone, they might put out a mean statement about me. You know, So I'm just going to move on. But we've got to talk about the heels in the present with Tez Walker. They were a good offense and a great, a real good passing game without him. Drake May had a bunch of has a bunch of weapons without Tez. Now you throw Tez Walker into the mix. The game against Syracuse was their most complete game of the season by far. Uh, they really appeared to put it all together, and they're starting to get whispered about Bone, even nationally, as a college football playoff contender. When we bring it up here, there's some scoffing that happens. There's some, I don't know if it's fans, other teams, some maybe it's some Tar Heel fans like, oh, I'm guarded. I know the law. I know the losses are coming. I would like to play um, the game, Mr. McLean. I'm going to go with uh, NC State fans. Okay, that's who you're choosing to be the scoffers? What do you think, Bone? Is it is it time to really talk about UNC as a true playoff contender this year? It is for a couple of reasons. First of all, Josh Graham brought up a great point yesterday in the 8 o'clock hour. Go back and listen to it. Apple and Spotify, if TCU made it last year back with one loss out of the Big 12, not the Big 10, not the SEC, out of the Big 12, certainly UNC with their resume so far, which includes beating an SEC team, beating a Big 10 team, not necessarily the highest level ones, but it's still non-conference wins where they took care of business, and their schedule now plays out in their favor. They've got Miami coming in, who we have no idea how one responds from a loss like that, but after that... It's Virginia at Georgia Tech. Tougher, but they should be able to take care of them, you would think. Campbell, and then it's Duke, Clemson, NC State. And you look at the top 10 right now, Mac, we don't have the playoff standings yet, but just the top 10 of the actual rankings right now. There's three Big Ten teams and three Pac-12 teams right now in the top 10. They're all going to knock each other out with some losses. It's Michigan. It's Ohio State. It's Penn State. It's Washington, Oregon, Southern Cal's due for a loss here at some point along the way. Six of the top ten are all in one conference, and they all play each other along the way. So the UNC, while they're not playing a daunting schedule coming up here, other teams are going to go down. And as we get closer to the first reveal of the playoffs, 
UNC is going to keep stacking wins. They're going to move up while some teams get knocked back a little bit. Yeah, I mean, listen, I get the heels apprehension. We're going to ask Flounder as a heels fan how he's feeling. Is he afraid of this conversation or does he think it's time for this conversation? When I mentioned this on Monday when Itty Bitty Fitty was in here, he kind of scoffed at it. He kind of was really? like, uh, he was kind of like, oh, wait, you know, you're, you're hyping us up too much. Well, that's Kyle, interesting because we had the conversation last night and his tune seemed to change just a little oh, bit. Oh, he's on board now. Just okay, a bit. good deal. Colin also said to me, said, Mac, I'm fired up about this Heels team, but I, I'm, I have this fear of the other shoe dropping. Oh, my So God. I get it with Tar Heel fans that, like, they saw the end of the year last year, right? Or Tar Heel fans that feel like that disappointing loss is coming at some point. I just want to say this team feels and looks different to me than the recent Mac Brown teams this team is balanced this team is a top 30 defense statistically in the country that's unheard of in the last decade plus probably of Tar Heel football this team is sixth overall offensively bone 11th in the pass, 41st in the run this team has so many different guys that can be the number one receiver in any given day now you throw Tez in but you've got Pesor you've got McCollum who's had multiple hundred yard games the tight ends are amazing Hampton and Brooks in the backfield. Drake May. Drake May's averaging 384 yards pass in the last three weeks. Anybody that thought that, sl that start was slow out of the gate? Look at what he's done the last few weeks. Flound, what do you think? It just feels to me like it's time, like this team is different. And I'm not on here, like, guaranteeing anything. I, I don't want to scare Heels no, fans do. that much. But you, were, they, you, were on the, uh, you were on the Duke wagon. I'll uh, check my notes here two weeks ago. Now you're completely. Duke's still, Duke's still a really good team. But I think Carolina is a better football team than Duke. I think they're a better football team than everybody but FSU and the ACC. And if they beat FSU in an ACC title game, it would not shock me. They still you have to play at Clemson. You, Let's keep that in mind. You got too. Drake May on that field. You got a chance to to beat yes. anybody. And yeah, we could talk about the because I'm sure all the negative Nancys are going to bring up the games like you're doing, Bone, that they could lose. What do you think, Flound? Are you do you feel like they're a true contender, or do you like other Tar Heel fans feel eh, they're going to let us down at some point? Uh, well, I will say this. I've already, uh, I'm already scheduling a trip out to the Rose Bowl. So, I mean, you take that for whatever you think it's worth. <laughs> Are you going to watch UNC or the actual game being played? <laughs> Big fan of the Rose Bowl parade? Is that what you are? I am. I am. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, I mean, I think at this point, there's no way that you can have the conversation because as you mentioned, the one element of this team that's there that has not been there is this defense. It's hard not to believe in this defense because we're five weeks into the year now, and, I mean, they probably just played their best game defensively. Oh, yeah. Like, I know South Carolina was really good. You yeah. held the team to negative two rushing yards, but you were even better in this game. You allowed 70 yards in a half. Yep. That was dominant. I mean, we, we were used to you allowing that in the first drive of the game and then every other drive afterwards. <laughs> like, it's completely that, different. That's There's what a I'm belief. saying. It's different. I'm, and I'm not saying flound. They're like, Bone brought up the Clemson game. A lot of y'all are bringing up Clemson on the road, right? Uh, I keep mentioning Georgia Tech, too, only because they've lost to them the last two times they played them unexpectedly. That's why. Georgia, Georgia Tech's a much better team. Like, everybody's going to look at that loss to Bowling Green, and that was a horrendous loss. Yeah, that was a weird one. That's, they played that's, a lot better. They could be like that throughout the year. Georgia Tech has moments. I mean, especially this year with Haynes King, man. That dude can sling the ball. So, yeah, Carolina's got to be prepared. But I think th this is the other thing. We're saying they need to be in the conversation. We're not saying, hey, they need to be number four in the country even. We're saying they need to be around. We need to be talking yeah. about a like possibility. Yeah, I think what I'm saying, Bone, is it shouldn't just be discarded 
Like early in the season, I'm not going to lie to you, Flounder mentioned playoff a couple times. I may have scoffed a little bit. But I am scoffing no longer. Like, I just, I believe that they have a puncher's chance at doing this. And Riley Leonard, you would think, would be healthy by the time we get to November 11th. That's in Chapel Hill, but... How healthy is the big question? Duke was very... I, I think he's making progress already. High ankle sprain. He, he should be good by then, right? I mean, he might be good. I'm thinking that he's probably going to sit this week and play at Florida State next week. That's how quickly I think he might be back. But that's in Chapel Hill, but Duke was very close to beating them last year. So that's not... That's also... So they've got Duke Clemson back-to-back... So that's that's you know it's it's not and state yeah yeah and you state. cannot discount that's been a that bugaboo one at the game end. for him as well. Mac Brown Bone texted me and told me that he doesn't like that last three games of schedule. I don't know if you heard about that. He yeah, did. he didn't like. He it. also doesn't like that Campbell game right there between <laughs> Georgia Tech and Duke. <laughs> this texture says they play Otis Otis Campbell on the fourth. This texture says I will bet y'all uh, uh, five thousand dollars to anyone who wants to take it that the the uh, heels lose a game. If I had to pick it, I would say the heels lose one. But I also wonder, can they lose one, get in the ACC title game, and if they beat Florida State in the ACC title game, still get into the playoff? Yeah, I don't know. I, to you me, know? like I, I said it last night, this is where Fiddy di- probably differs from me. I don't think that Carolina is that far away from Florida State. I don't think so either. I don't think that gap's really that big. Jordan Travis is good. Drake May's in a different level, though. Drake May's at I least up a, up a floor on the elevator. We have to at least mention Louisville in the discussion as well, based off their schedule, though, too. Oh, they're definitely like going to be in the they're, they're in that hunt, too. So I understand that we're putting Florida State in, and we're talking UNC for the playoff. But I have to pull up uh, Louisville's schedule here. But it is uh, it is not like some of these other ones here. That's they, the play, they play Duke at some point, right? Uh, yes. And that's it. That's their hardest game. That's the only game on the schedule that matters at all. The rest of them, they should win by 15 yeah. or more. So that's the thing. If the heels lose... A game along the way, right? We talked about the ones that look like the biggest, you know, landmines. And if Florida State and Louisville, because they don't play each other, both run the table, the heels could be maybe one loss doesn't even get you in. Louisville plays you at know? Pittsburgh uh, this Easy week, win. and then they got a bye. Then Duke at home. Then awesome. they got Virginia. Tech. They got a lot of home games. And then Virginia Tech at home. Easy. Virginia, Easy win. Virginia at home. Gosh. Easy win. At Holy Mi- crap. At Miami. Oh, that's They that's should win that one. That's a possible loss. And then Kentucky is at home in the non I'm going to go out on a limb here. I can't believe I'm saying this is a limb and say Louisville loses the game along the way. But I also wow. think there's a chance Carolina, a good chance Carolina loses one too. My whole thing that I would push back against is that they are. If like we're getting a lot of texts of people saying, "Come on, it's same old heels. They're going to let you down at the end of the year when the games get tougher." Uh, I will say, tell you this too. And Bone, I don't know if you were paying him any attention because I wouldn't. I wouldn't uh, blame you if you didn't. But itty fitty, itty bitty fitty stood right there. Right. When was he here? <laughs> when he was filling in for Flounder. Oh yeah, you weren't paying attention. He stood right there between you and me during a break on Monday. And he was at the donut box. Remember, Colin brought in a shocking, shocking, and Fitty went for a hat trick. You you were in line back behind him. He went for a hat trick of donuts. I had a brace. I had two donuts. All right. So anyway, he sat there and said, "Come on, you guys know how this ends. We're not going to win at Clemson, and we're not going to be we're not going to beat NC State." So I don't know, uh, Flounder, if by the time y'all recorded your podcast. I don't know if he changed his tune, but he was. I don't one think of, he completely changed. He was his one of those tune. heels fans, Bone, that kind of just expects them to revert back to the norm. And I just believe this is a better team because their defense, and I also think their offensive line flound is better than it's been recently too. I mean, look, you know? I, I don't. Nothing is out of the realm of possibility, especially with those two teams that you have at the end. 
Duke is 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 not going to be an easy game at all. I mean, and who knows? I mean, they still that's the thing. They still got to stack up wins here now. Like they got to win this weekend. If if they lose this weekend, the conversation's over. Yeah. Mag would never so. cause that to happen during a week. Like come on. Also, Campbell <laughs> Campbell fans are upset with me for calling them Otis Campbell. Look, that was a that was an Andy reference, all right? There was just—I <laughs> was trying to get Campbell a reference in there, all right? Yeah, there's a lot bone to what you're alluding to. Not the uh, not the Otis Campbell thing, but there's a lot of here goes Mac again. There's a lot of Tar Heel fans. This guy said, "Someone said you're meddling." This, <laughs> I do. I meddle with the local sports teams, like Tep. We got that in common, Tep. We don't have we don't have bank accounts in t- common. But yeah, this is, there's a lot of people. This guy actually says, "I I literally had this conversation with a buddy last night. He's a Heels grad like I am. We both agreed it's a legit chance. I have just texted him to inform him we now have a zero percent chance because Mac is hyping us up. I'm not guaranteeing anything. Yeah, the Mac I'm index just saying, is ruined. Let's talk this. about it, y'all. Go be in the mix, the Mac index. Mac, I, I'm not even lying. I looked up the Carolina Panthers playoff chances today on this website. Do you know where we stand right now, Mac, at their percentage chance to make the playoffs? I mean, is it zero? Negative one percent chance. You mean like under one percent? Yes, it says negative one percent chance. Because it can't be like a negative playoff chance. Although, if anybody could have that, it would be us. It hasn't been the red at negative one percent chance. Negative 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 one means you're not making it next year. (laughs) That's what I was going to say. How bad do you have to be to have a playoff chance that's in the negative? (laughs) Yeah, there's a website called uh, Playoff. I think it's called, is it Playoff Stat? Yeah, Playoff Status. I thought it just meant like lower than one percent. It but, says negative 1%. <laughs> on Listen to Mac and Bone every weekday morning from 6 to 10. Instant replay continues with more in a moment. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. You're listening to Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Because great radio the second time around is always twice as nice. Afternoon on the Wesson Walker Show. Miami's looking good, and I don't know if Carolina's going to be able to be competitive with them. I think that's what we're hoping for. We're hoping to see Bryce continue on this trajectory of throwing for more yards every single time he's out there. That's been nice to see that linear progress. Been nice to see from Bryce. But we also don't know if there's a lot of leadership surrounding him. And Cam Newton talked about that. Former Panther great. Greatest QB in Panthers history. He talked about how Bryce Young needs a little bit more leadership around him within this organization to be successful. What do you think Bryce Young needs to be the best he can be in Carolina? Leadership. I don't question Andy Dalton. I don't question the ownership. But the best thing, even for me, when I was a young rookie, was leadership. What do you want from Bryce? Because if I was in a position, I would have to say, let me console with him to say, are you ready? Do you feel comfortable in playing? There's something to be said about Tom Brady's evolving. There's something to be said about Patrick Mahomes evolving. We expecting instant grits when we should be waiting on Thanksgiving meal and preparation. We're rushing greatness. I think Bryce needs a number one wide receiver. He needs a bona fide guy that can just take away one side of the field. I think they tried to do it by committee with Thielen and Clark, but I put it like this. They have a team that could compete if Bryce Young was five years in the league. What do you think about Cam Newton's comments? Well, I know one of my favorite things about Cam Newton is when he always misuses the word, and he definitely he does a lot. with console right there. I was like, uh, where are we going, Cam? But I come to expect that from him. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, when he's talking about the leadership, is he trying to say that Frank Reich is not providing enough of that for him? Uh, and then, you know, he was a little complimentary of the ownership when we were just talking about how bad that that seems like it seems to be going. But um, I guess Cam could say that he had guys like the Olsons and the C. Smiths of the world to be able to come in there and do that. But I think that Bryce has enough vets around him to uh, help him along. But as far as when he said, what what do you want from Bryce? Like, I mean, I think that's pretty obvious. So I'm I'm not necessarily with Cam on this one. I think that Bryce knows what he needs. I think he's insulated with enough people around him to help him to get in and stay in the right direction. I just think that right now it's just a big mix of a lot of different things that's causing the season to go the way that it's gone. So I, I have this conversation all the time when talking about the Hornets, when they were tanking or when they had bad basketball teams, they really started to tank after Kimball Walker. You had the decision. Are you going to pay him a bunch of money after his all NBA selection? They decide not to, not as much anyway as what Kimba was looking for. So he goes to Boston, and that reset the franchise. We don't have the best Hornet of all time anymore. Now we got to realize what we're dealing with, okay? To me, teams make mistakes by tanking to the point where all you have are young guys that aren't helping you out there on the court. So if you're LaMelo Ball, for instance, if you didn't have a veteran for him, who's he going to look to for on-the-court leadership? Hornets did, they gave him a little bit. I wouldn't say Gordon Hayward is a vocal leader, but Bismack Biombo was that guy for LaMelo. Constantly referenced Biz. That was a good signing, even if he didn't help a lot on the court. I don't see that same issue with the Panthers like Cam is expressing here. Right. I think maybe what gets twisted is when you go back and look at what Cam was dealing with his rookie season, you had a lot of older players, but they were also just better. So is there a distinction between leadership that is coming from players that are really good, like Steve Smith, like Greg Olson, like even a Jeremy Shockey at the end. I, I don't, I don't know about y'all. I don't look at Jeremy Shockey. And first thing that comes to mind is great leader. I, I Jeremy Shockey, great player. I don't know if I view him and all of his crazy antics as great leader, mm -hmm. but with Thielen, that was the selling point. It's just that Thielen isn't as good as Steve Smith, and he's having a good year right now. As much as I didn't think he was going to put up these numbers, I'll be wrong about that. Like, he's been the guy, the focal point of the passing game. But it's not Steve Smith. Cam Newton did have a better supporting cast. Offensive line, he did have Jordan Gross protecting him. The O-line was never great. And then even when you got to 2015, you had a great interior offensive line, but the tackles were Michael Orr and Mike Rimmers. Enough said. But I don't know if... if if really are we mistaking good leadership with also just good players that are veterans around him. And that's what I'm trying to figure out. Yeah, and I think that's where you're going with it as well because how he can look at it and say they don't have leadership. Thielen's a guy that's been kind of just that guy for them this entire offseason, bringing him in and all the knowledge that he's brought. And he was once a pro bowler, and he's playing really good football right now. Now, their offense has a little bit of youth, and I wonder, too, with Bryce – some of it, even though he's not that seasoned yet, but if a guy's not balling out like that, like you're wondering, does it go in one end out the other? Like if Miles Sanders comes and says something or something like that, and he's like, man, you can't even, you know what I'm saying? So, hmm. uh, like you, you said, like to you your, can't tell me nothing type of like, mentality? Yeah, like, not that you can't tell me nothing, but it's just kind of like, 
like if D'Angelo Williams comes and says something, a guy that's running 400 yards, that's out there playing really good football, Jonathan Stewart, you know what he brought to the table. Those guys saying stuff to a young guy, they're going to be more prone to lock in on the advice they're getting from them, whereas a guy that's not producing and then come and try to tell them what they should do. Like, you're going to be looking at them, well, look, dog, you, you, your own house is on fire, so what are you coming over here for? You know what I'm saying? But I think that with Bryce, I think that there are enough guys – on the team, we know the defensive leaders that were here when Cam was here too that uh, could help him along. And I feel like yeah. Burns and those guys are there to be able to do that for him. I mean, this team is not insulated with big-time veterans that can pass along great advice to the rookie. But I think he has uh, more than enough here to be able to give him a good foundation as a rookie quarterback. Well, and Fiddy, I know you wanted to talk about this as well. Like you, you found Cam Newton's comments interesting about the leadership that Cam might have had. Do you view a big difference or is it or is it just a big difference in talent? It you go back to twenty eleven we recognize it once we go back and see it. Like we know the players they had, but it really was a talented supporting cast that he had. Two running backs that are number one guys in Williams and Stewart. You had Steve Smith that was still good at that point. He didn't hit even in Baltimore. He was a good receiver. Greg Olson was really starting to hit his stride as soon as he comes over in that trade. And then you have Shockey. Just a lot of talent that you do not have here from a supporting cast standpoint. I think the thing that you look at this current team compared to what Cam inherited as a rookie, who's the alpha male on this team? Like, if you had to point at the alpha male, you're probably looking maybe Brian Burns. Yeah. Like, like he's your alpha male. Like, you, you look at what Cam in here. Like, Steve Smith was a bona fide Hall of Fame wide receiver at that point that he, that he was walking into. Um, you, you know, you had a running back duo that was among the best in the NFL. You could argue that D'Angelo Williams was an alpha male. Jordan Gross was an alpha male among that offensive line because he was one of the better left tackles and, and in football at the time, not the best left tackle. And like Bryce doesn't have that, especially on the offensive side of the ball. And maybe that's just not in their DNA, it's not in their makeup. But you brought in Adam Thielen, you brought in Miles Sanders, guys from winning organizations with winning backgrounds. You would think there'd be a much more, a much more vocal leadership role from those guys. And through five games... You have Miles Sanders complaining about being booed after he came from Philly where they booed Santa Claus. I don't know how y'all view Adam Thielen. <laughs> it's such a great yeah. – Philly's never going to get over that, by the way. <laughs> They're never going to get over booing Santa Claus. Thielen seems – Boo his ass. Th- yes. <laughs> Don LaGreca, the first drop, boo his ass. Um, Thielen seems pretty vocal to me, though. I, I think so too. Yeah, he, I, I he turns a lot. He, I mean, okay, like, but like, if, if, if he's your alpha male – it's still not as good as what Cam was inheriting with Steve Smith, who was a bona fide Hall of Famer. But it's, it's funny to hear you say that, though. And, Wes, you might remember this, too. The, the conversation surrounding Steve Smith in the locker room was that, yeah, he was, getting along. was that he was hindering Cam from becoming that guy himself, and the locker room couldn't handle Steve and Cam. And if Steve Smith's listening out there, we know he does sometimes. So <laughs> Be we love easy, you, brother. We love you, Steve. <laughs> but, no, I and, – and I would – Maybe he's spoken on it a couple of times, but that was a thought process that there was some reason behind that thinking as to why Steve eventually would leave. And of course, we know that Steve was pretty pissed at the organization in the Dave Gettleman era when he finally goes on to Baltimore and they just decide to move on from their best receiver unquestionably in franchise history. But th- th- it's funny to hear him Fitty, say that, right? Like, because. It's that very reason as to why they wanted Cam to be the leader in that standpoint. Yeah, and I think with this organization, I think these are guys who, from everything we've seen in the offseason, they understand that, hey, Bryce 
is the guy. Like you said, Thielen and everything you heard from them, they're working with him, giving him that advice and things of that nature. But they are guys that are saying they're conceding to Bryce, and especially Bryce has made it easy for them with the leadership that he's demonstrated, his demeanor, his attitude, things of that nature. And, and I think Hayden Hurst is a leader. Hayden Hurst is a guy that will talk. And I think he's been a veteran in this league, older player already coming in. So as a 30-year-old man who's been on a bunch of different teams and successful ones, too, at least with Cincinnati, we saw their success last year. Hayden Hurst is a guy. And so that's why I hope that it does it really just mean Bryce doesn't have enough talent. That's what I'm trying to figure out if that's what we really mean. I mean, I think that's evident. Maybe also this was Cam's way of saying without saying, because he does, you know, he does have a problem using words sometimes. Mm -hmm. They've got to put alpha males around him because he's not one. Whoa. And and look, that's okay. Whoa. You know, because Bryce is a quiet, soft-spoken guy. And look, you can, Kirk Cousins is a leader for the Vikings without being this Outside of you, you like that? I mean, that was kind of a put on because he needed to put that kind of emotion forward. Maybe Cam is saying, look, you've got a guy that's going to be a hell of a player, but he's not going to be that guy in the locker room. So you need to put those guys in the locker room around him. Yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah, I I hear what you're saying because, I mean, he's young. And so you do have a little bit of a weird dynamic. It is hard for somebody to come in as a rookie and be the leader Everybody, hey, rah, rah, let's, you know, rally the troops and go out there and win on Sunday. But I do see Bryce getting the team together and being fired up. Right, and that's the thing, too. And, like, Alpha can look a lot of different ways. But from what you've seen with him going through the locker room, establishing relationships with the guys, his demeanor and his behavior on the practice field from what we've heard, I definitely think Bryce is an alpha. For one, the guy's a Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, The way that he plays, yeah, he hasn't gotten to that level yet. But everything you saw with how how he's taking command of the team and the locker room and how guys have rallied around him. He's certainly uh, an alpha. Well, and, and Uber Steve writes this in, so we can touch on this too. I think you guys are missing the point of leadership in terms of coaching. Frank. So that's what I thought. Frank is not Ron Rivera. But Rivera wasn't an established leader of men, if you will, when he got to Carolina as a head coach. He had to learn that. Well, he became it. No, he you're did. Right. And, and Ron, yeah. Very different demeanor than Frank Reich. <laughs> Very different. You, so, are you telling me you couldn't see Frank Reich pulling a Pittsburgh Steelers locker room halftime speech? No, I, I could not, to be honest with you. <laughs> I, I cannot see that kind of intensity that we saw from All or Nothing, all of the cursing. Everybody loves curse words, man. We got them <laughs> from Ron and All or Nothing. But I do think Uber Steve is right to a certain extent. The problem is, who, buddy, you spend that much money on that coaching staff? And we're questioning if that coaching staff has leadership. We talked with Glover Quinn last week in preparation for the Lions. He discussed Jim Caldwell being a great leader. And he's on that staff. Deuce Staley. Deuce Staley's personality fits what we're all envisioning right now when we talk about, quote unquote, alpha male, loud, demanding. Deuce Staley's on this staff, too. Guys seem to respond to him. So that's why it doesn't necessarily make sense to me. I get it. Frank Reich isn't Ron Rivera. That's true. But do you have other guys on the staff? I don't view Avero as softer spoken I at the podium. Thomas Brown, man. Thomas Brown seems like that kind of guy that demands your respect as soon as you walk in because of how he is. I think that I point more towards him 
kind of leaning towards Frank Reich because he didn't mention him. And then he said when he asked, well, what do you want from Bryce? And he's lacking direction. And the direction for Bryce is going to come from the head coach. He's the offensive coordinator as well. And so I'm with Uber Steve as well. I think that Cam was more pointing towards Frank Reich uh, not being it for him because otherwise he would have included him when he was listing all people that he thought was providing that. And also the fact when he ask the question, what do you want from Bryce? There's only one man who can answer that question, and that's the head coach. You can hear Wes and Walker live and local every weekday afternoon from noon to 3. Sit tight and stay locked, because Instant Replay continues next. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. To instant replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Because great radio the second time around is always twice as nice. Earlier this afternoon on the Kyle Bailey Show. Good. 5 o'clock, 5.30, whatever I'm trying to say. It's good to have you along Wednesday afternoon. Hump day nearly behind us. In fact, it's behind us for many of you who've clocked out already. We appreciate you being with us. If you're stuck on 77, 277, 485, 85, or parts in between, just stick with us. We'll get you home. 704-570-9610. We have texters coming in from guys like Big Cat Dan, who like my blue shoe read, and he sent me... (laughs) It's a meme with a koala bear. And it says, hey, baby, ready for a little koala time? That's just phenomenal. Oh, it's so good. It's like dad jokes in meme form. It's perfect for me. Honestly, I feel like this is you with these Blue Chew ads. You just get to make as many dad jokes and puns that you can have. About sex. About sex on the air. It's the perfect read for me. Yes, absolutely. I just wonder what, because you're just trying to make me crack, and you've done so pretty much on every single read you've done. Well, listen, the, like the Blue Chew, they, they approached me, and they were like, hey, we want to work with you. And I was like, okay, well, let's figure out what we want to do here. And it was like, all right, we got something moving. And then, then you know, every time I tell somebody for the last three months that, that I've purpose? got a... Okay. Every time I've got, I tell somebody for the last three months, I've got another kid on the way. They're like, yeah, you know what causes that, right? And after about the 10th time I heard it, I was like, yeah, sex. And then it hit me, you know, why not do the Blue Chew ad? So anyway, uh, Big Cat Dan sent that in. And then he also, though, sent something about the lines that I do want to bounce off of you. Because apparently Jim Costa up there in uh, Detroit was toying with the trade idea that involved the Panthers. And he says, uh, Big Cat Dan says, I read an article on Lions Fan Nation where Jim Costa from the Lions radio proposed a trade. Would you do Jamison Williams for Brian Burns in a first round pick? Uh, For Burns, if Detroit came knocking, we get our receiver who Bryce has a deep connection with offload Burns and would have a first or second round pick. This would be too good to be true if they were to propose it. Take the deal. But no. Okay, I knew you were going to say no. Why no? Why? Look, as much as I the only way I'm trading Brian Burns is if we get the same return. Because I'm honestly, for as much as I know... The same return as what was offered last year? Yes, or very similar. So you want two ones? Yes, or a one and a two. I'm not just in it for one... Look, you set yourselves up for this. I'm not saying... Hold on, I'm asking, can they still get that? I don't think so. So then why are you setting that as the bar? Because I just don't think you should trade him at this point. I, I, I understand that they might trade him, but I just don't think you should because I'm tired of seeing good players go on and go somewhere else. It, look, is he as good as Julius Peppers or Kevin Green? No. 
And I understand that's where they're kind of putting it out saying, hey, this is why we're not going to give you $30 million. I get that. I just hope that sometime in the offseason or late in the season, they can reach some sort of compromise. Because I think a compromise is going to have to be set on both sides. I think Samir Suleiman's going to have to say, all right, we're not going to pay him Max Crosby money. We'll play him, pay him a little bit more than that. But you, but I don't think Brian Burns can legitimately say, yeah, I deserve to get $30 million now. My, my understanding is that Carolina's front office is willing to pay him in the high 20s range, right? The and I do that too. 27, 28, maybe even $29 million. But my understanding also is that Joe Person's reporting, and I want to give Joe credit for this because he was the first to report it, you know, that, that Brian Burns and his camp want in the 30 to $32 million a year range, that Carolina's already drawn the line in the sand and said no to that. Not, not only have they drawn that line, it happened last year. And, and I was told that there were multiple people vocally inside the building who wanted to accept the trade for Brian Burns, the, the trade proposal from the L.A. Rams. But that Scott Fitterer did not want to accept that deal and wanted to keep Brian Burns. And now here's the thing. It's easy to kill you know, Scott Fitterer for that in hindsight. But I was one of those saying, okay, I get it. Brian Burns, very good player at a premium position. Aren't we tired of watching players get traded away from here only to go find success elsewhere? I don't want to trade him either. I'd, I'd, it's kind of the situation where you get the boat or you get the box, the unknown mystery box. Take the boat in this scenario. You've already got and, and plus, is that a Family Guy reference? Yes, it is. Okay. Yes, you take the boat, not the mystery box, with two comedy tickets. I'd rather you just do that. I, and, and if the thing is that Brian Burns is never going to be Julius Peppers and Kevin Green, fine, I'll take that. But I know at least you have something. If you get rid of Brian Burns, what do you have? Frankie Louvu? I like Frankie, but he's not on the same level. You know, he's not that good. No. J.C. Horn, I mean, if he can stay healthy, yeah, that's good. But, you know, the health part is pretty serious. I mean, aging Shaq Thompson, no offense to Shaq Thompson, but he's only getting older at a position where, you know, it, they don't have as many game-breaking difference makers. Oh, by the way, Luvu can walk at the end of this year. Yeah, that too. Luvu can just walk. He can be gone. Yeah. Um, so I'm just at the point now where I'm like, no. Unless you give me a massive offer that's too good to be true, I'm just going to keep it with Brian Burns and then try to franchise tag him. I feel like that's the way you have to play. I, I was getting ready to say the same thing. Like somebody said a couple of minutes ago, I think it was Conspiracy King maybe, said, you know, they're good. he's as good as gone. Why would we let him walk in free agency? Oh, they can franchise tag him next year. And the next year. And the year after that. They don't have to sign up for a five-year, you know, $160 million deal if they don't want to. He might not like it. It might make for might make for hurt feelings and maybe an uncomfortable situation in the locker room, but they can absolutely franchise tag him and make sure that he stays here next year without having to commit to him long term. So, I just uh, Hornets Ron, by the way, saying he's honestly worth maybe twenty three or twenty four million the way he's performing this year. So it's funny you say that. Smoke pulled this up for me before the show, and this is again in defense of. Brian Burns, who I like. I want to be clear on my stance so that people don't, you know, get confused by what I'm saying. I don't pocket watch. I don't count other people's money. Brian Burns, you know, the difference in his salary, $3 million one way or the other, has no impact on my life. I'm not rooting for it necessarily. But would I pay him, if I were in their position, 30 to $32 million a year based on what the market's been set at? No, I would not, based on his performance. However, however... To be fair to Brian Burns, he is what, 
seventh in the NFL smoke and edge pass rush win rate. Is that right? And he's been double teamed a lot. Only like four or five people have been double teamed more than him. Yeah. I mean, he's faced a lot of doubles. No doubt. Nick Bosa faces a double team 30% of the time. Burns is at 23. But he's seventh in pass rush win rate. The players ahead of him, uh, names like Boye Mafe in Seattle, which I didn't expect to see up there. Uh, Bradley Chubb, Micah Parsons, Miles Garrett, Will Anderson Jr., the rookie in Houston, and then Trey Hendrickson. Those are the only players in the league right now ahead of Brian Burns in pass rush win rate. Facing a, d- a double team um, 21% of the time. I'm sorry, 23% of the time. So, he's gotten better against the run. He's a very good player at a premium position. I would like for them to find a way to keep him. I, I just don't want to trade him. I don't because, either. Because what, what do you have in the edge position outside of Brian Burns? Nothing. And it's the, we, How many years have we been talking about them finding the, the player opposite of him? And they had one, and he's in Philly. And they haven't found one since then. Just keep your guy and try to find the right guy. That's the other thing about Fitterer. Like, it's not just the busts. It's like some of those decisions to let us on Reddick walk. For relatively cheap deal. For relatively cheap, but, you know, prioritizing a trade for Stefan Gilmore, which didn't work out. But it kind of, I mean, he's all right. It's just, well, he didn't No, but it was like, there's been no significant impact on this organization. Right. That's all. So, I, I don't want them to trade Brian Burns. However, the very cynical side of me, and I think you and you and I have been on the same page with this the last several days, the cynical side of me is looking at it saying, okay, how are they going to get out of trouble this time? And I, that's where I'm at the point of, and look, I'm not Scott Fitter, who's very well likely possibly going to lose his job very soon if things continue to go this way. So I'm not in his scenario where he's desperate, uh, but it's one of those situations like I'd just rather sit in the crap that I put myself in and then try to find a way out instead of trying to, you know, Throw something at a wall and see if it sticks. Like, like essentially, what I'm afraid of right now, Kyle, and I'll put it in Hornets terms since you know we've had a lot of this. It makes me think of that 2016 trade deadline where Rich Cho, after making all those moves after the 48 win season, and they're kind of flatlining a little bit, he has to make a big trade. All right, what's the big trade that I'm going to make? All right, I'll trade uh, Spencer Hawes and Roy Hibbert, and I'll get Miles Plumley in return. Mm. That's what I'm afraid is going to happen. Now, yeah. Not in the same circumstance, but that was a whole situation where it put the Hornets behind the eight ball because it put them in more cap hell because, for some reason, the Milwaukee Bucks think, hey, we'll give uh, Miles Plumley a four-year, $48 million deal. That led to them making a trade saying, all right, let's get Dwight Howard in here and his bloated contract. Then after the year of Dwight Howard being the locker room cancer, it's like, all right, what do we do now? Okay, we'll just trade Timothy Mosgoff, and then we'll put Timothy Mosgoff to Orlando, and we'll get Bismack Biombo in return with his $16 million. It was just a cascade of errors and errors, all because Rich Chose felt some pressure to get a trade done. It's like, Miles Plumley is going to help the Hornets get to the playoff push. You, you just know that it's, you're going to be miserable if you trade him away. You, we, yes. just, we know, we've, because we were already seeing it. Like, DJ Moore was just the NFC Player of the Week in Chicago. We know what Christian's doing. Like, you just know it's going to happen. And we'll look back again and think there was a way out of that that didn't require trading him. I understand the push to trade him. I really do. I've been using that pawn shop analogy all week, right? And I think it holds true. Like once upon, like many years ago, I was dead broke, dead broke many years ago. And I, I had an old hunting rifle that my grandfather had given me. Love this thing. Came from him, meant a lot to me. It's an old 30-30 lever action deer hunting rifle, old cowboy gun. And I wanted to buy my wife something nice as a graduation gift. But I was broke. I mean, I was, I was younger. I was trying to establish myself and I was broke. And I sold that gun. You know, and I bought her a really nice graduation present. I felt good about that at the time because I thought it was like the, 
very smart thing to do or the, the good, the right thing to do. And not a day goes by that I don't wish I still had that thing. Now, I know it's a different comparison, but it's that regret, right? Tying into the pawn shop analogy. And you just know there was a different way to do You could have found a way around it. And you could have figured out a way to get it done. But instead you went with, let's just panic, blow it up, trade our most valuable piece, get as much as we can and hope that we get it right this time. And, and the odds that you're going to get it as right as you did with Brian Burns, I don't know what the exact odds are, but I know they're not high. Because the draft is a crapshoot. Let's put it this way. The last time Carolina hit on an edge rusher, and I know previous regimes and everything, before Brian Burns, last time they really hit on an edge rusher in a draft was Greg Hardy. That was a fifth-round pick in 2010. So that was a nine-year difference. Mm. It's a premium <laughs> position. It's so crappy. Just because you're watching Christian McCaffrey dominate. You're watching DJ Moore go off. Baker Mayfield's playing well. Like, I'm waiting for the Sam Darnold game at some point this year when Purdy goes down. Everybody who leaves here goes off to play better, gets better, and it's just infuriating to watch. Absolutely infuriating to watch. So, do you want to go through it again? Do they have to go through that again? Do fans have to go through that again to, to recoup more draft capital to try this all over again? Because they, they don't have the right weapons around Bryce Young. Yeah, and by the way, this is all because of an idea about, oh, let's get uh, Jamison Williams for that. I don't want Jamison Williams. I, I think he's a good wide receiver. He's not great and not giving up for, uh, you know, Brian Burns. But the Jerry Judy and Jeremy Chin trade idea, okay, I can listen to that. Yeah. Bro Tran's laughing at me. He says, KB over here sounding like a Baptist preacher, getting ready for the rapture, talking about his gun. I do sympathy. No, I just, that was one of those I was thinking about. I was like, I, you know, a long time ago, I was a much younger man, wasn't settled. Wanted to buy my, you know, then girlfriend, now wife, something nice. And I was broke. What was the gift, by the way? Would I get her? Yeah. I don't even remember. Well, okay. I just, I, I, need, I, just, I just need, because all I could focus on was I had this, this, you know, hunting rifle that my grandfather always let me use and gave me when he passed away. And, you know, it's not like I traded it in to buy a TV. I got something nice for my soon-to-be wife, but, um, you know. I, I, I had some regrets. My thought was I probably could have done something different. You've tuned into Instant Replay when the audio was so good, it has to be heard again. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte sports fan.